Coming up on today's show. The Brownies lose on Sunday Night Football in front of Joe Thomas, Stipe, CJ McCollum, and Clay Matthews' dad. Mahomes and Lamar traded punches and what to expect when the Browns go to Baltimore in week four. Danny Dimes' debut, undefeated Cowboys, and Gardner Minshew's mustache. All of this and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. Guys, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't know what I just saw. How the hell did we not score on the last drive? What the heck was that? I'm just really depressed after that game, if I'm being honest. Freddie Kitchens literally pulled a pistol out and shot every player on that team in the foot with that play calling. Joe, Hawk, what the hell? How do we have the same damn team every year? Bad, stupid penalties, good defense, and underachieving offense. Please explain this. Welcome to the 16-time Emmy Award-winning Tomahawk Show. I'm your humblest of co-hosts, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by the greatest football player to ever pick up the pigskin, John Fontanelli. Hey. And then we also have Joe Thomas (laughs) on the line as well. Joe, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, but before you answer... I want you to try to do it without referencing the sport of football. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Hawk. Thanks for asking. And I'm going to tell you why I'm doing good, because I went to a sporting event last night, and my second daughter just turned five two weeks ago, and so her birthday present was my wife and I take her by herself to a sporting event Uh with which we paid off last night, and she had the most amazing time in spite of the results of the sporting event because she finally got mom and dad one-on-one undivided attention, and for our number two child, who is an actress in the making, Uh the ability to get undivided attention for her to perform is the pinnacle of her life, and she had a great time, and so in spite of the result of that sporting event, I really had a fun night with my family, and it was an amazing atmosphere in Cleveland. That's awesome. And so even though I'm a little sad because of the result of the sporting event last night, I'm feeling good this morning, and I'm ready to knock out an amazing tomahawk. You know what? I almost wish I would have let you reference whatever that sporting event was because that was a really good story. I took my daughter to New York a couple weeks ago by herself. I have twin four-year-old girls, and I'm always taking my son places because he loves sports. And my daughters are like, yo, you never take us anywhere. So I let everyone have a trip. My daughter wanted to take pictures in Times Square. She's four. So we went one-on-one, just flew to New York for a day, and she loved it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. It's special. You you know, you got a bunch of kids, and you start splitting them up, and they get that one-on-one time where they really feel special. It doesn't matter what you do, but it it makes you feel good as a dad, like you finally have done something right. We are broadening our horizons here as a podcast, man. We are (laughs) the official podcast of dad life. All right. uh, (laughs) For everyone who's been living under a rock, we are the best podcast in the history of sports so you should first subscribe and then second rate five stars and leave an incredible review for the podcast um so all your friends can find it and also tweet about it you can tweet us as well at tomahawk show hit us up on reddit instagram you can join our facebook group tomaflock and you can leave us a voicemail at 440-628-1376 all the browns voicemails are hilarious especially during this time of year. All right, on today's show, we're going to talk Daniel Jones, the phenomenon that is that has hit the Big Apple. We're going to talk, obviously, our Browns 
and the situation, the predicament we are in now as as a franchise and as a team. And we're going to talk about Minshew Mania. Who else are we talking, John? Am I missing something? Maybe little Baltimore Ravens. Okay, little Ravens. Okay, well we'll we'll rope that into some uh, AFC North talk. Mm-hmm. All right, before all of that, it's time to get right in to the infamous and sad at this current state dog check. Dog check. All right. You saw it last night, Joe. I'm, I'm going to just leave it to you because I would imagine the sporting event you were at last night was the Cleveland Browns game. We lost 20 to 13 on Sunday night football to the Rams. Um, yeah, you, we had a chance late. We had some miss, some misfortunes and unfortunate things happen. You, give me your take, Joe. Go. Well, the defense played outstanding. Anybody that watched that game saw a defense that was without its entire starting secondary yeah. be able to limit most most of the game limited Jared Goff and that explosive Rams offense uh, to I think twenty points was their final score. But they it, it was even better than that. Um, it seemed to me that. Every time the Rams would start driving, the Browns' defense stiffened up. They didn't allow many consistent drives. So overall, their defense really played outstanding. I thought that was the best defensive effort they've played this season. So that was a huge bright spot. Um, Offensively, still have not gotten into that rhythm and flow that we've been dying to see with Baker from what he was playing like last year. Um There was an attempt, it seemed like, to run the football a little bit more. Nick Chubb had over 20 carries, which was really good. I was excited to see that. They were running the football from their spread personnel, from um, their 11 personnel, from their 12 personnel. And there was a lot of space to run for a good part of the night. So that was a big positive. Um, They hit some nice, easy completions, especially early on in the game, which Mm -hmm. when you have studs like OBJ and Jarvis, like, an easy slant could go to the house like we saw two weeks ago yep. uh, against the Jets. And so I think that needs to be a part of their repertoire, which for me was positive to see some of that. Um, but like I said, the, the disappointing part was the inability to put together long drives mm-hmm. consistently, um, still not converting enough third downs, but there was some progress on third downs. Uh, and then at the end of the game, just – a little bit of the play calling and the execution that we saw in critical moments. There was a fourth and nine <clears throat> that it looked like they were going to try to draw them off sides, but I got to think there was some miscommunication because they yeah. were going to draw on fourth and nine from midfield, which is a very interesting call, I will say. I mean, if it was not it's unpredictable, it was unpredictable. There's no <laughs> doubt about like that. that, right? Um, if, if it was not a mistake of communication and that's not what the coaches wanted to run in that situation. I got to think that maybe there was something that they saw that nobody else could see that they felt that they could get a first down on fourth and nine with a draw play. Um, so I'm not going to just lambast them for that call other than to say it was interesting. And I'm probably thinking that it had to be some type of a communication error, which is a concern. That is exactly like you can't have those communication error. If that is the case or if, um, it's written in our notes if they thought it was third down because of the penalty or if like no matter what it is like you can't have that on a fourth down play and such a crucial play 
in in midfield. And then there is a trend of people going for it more on fourth downs because I think analytics play into that. But I don't know how the analytics say about uh, running draws on fourth and nine. Yeah, not not the greatest. And then I would say the other one that uh, Browns fans are probably scratching their heads a little bit this morning is when they finally got down to the five-yard line on their uh-huh. last drive at the end of the game. It was first and goal from about the five-yard line. <clears throat> you had three timeouts left. Still down seven. Opportunity to tie the game. And you would expect that out of those four opportunities, they're probably going to run Nick Chubb one time because they'd gotten down there earlier in the game and they mm-hmm. had a nice play dialed up and Nick Chubb ran right into the end zone. Um, and so in those situations, teams usually go into a game with three kind of critical moment goal line-ish type plays. It's kind of like your two-point conversion, uh-huh. end of the game type plays. And I think they probably used one of them earlier in the game. So you expect that they had kind of two cute plays that they could catch the defense off guard with in that situation and they threw the ball four times and on all four of those it just didn't look like they had their stuff together they weren't on the same page as as a unit and it was disappointing that they didn't get a better opportunity to get into the end zone when they were down there in the goal line tell me this what, what is your take of the, the offensive line the offensive line in the middle three the guards and the center uh-huh. have been very solid very good i would yeah. say this whole year. Yep. Uh, last night, they had a really difficult challenge. This is a really, yeah, really mean, good defensive line. Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, defending champion. Yes. So, at times, Aaron won, but that's what you're going to expect when you're going against yeah, exactly. maybe the best football player in the game. The concern has been, for me, consistently at the tackle position yeah. on the edges. Right? And we've struggled as a franchise with our tackles for close to two decades now. A couple decades here. The left tackle has been a big problem for many, many years, so this is no surprise. That's always been the thing I've talked about. I think the the concern is there's softness on that edge, right? It's not like they're just getting bulldozed like we saw Miles do to the poor guys against the Jets. So it's not like they're losing immediately, but they're losing too quickly and they're soft on the edge, which is getting Baker a little bit gun shy. And so now he's trying to run and escape the pocket a little bit more quickly than he should. He doesn't feel comfortable climbing in the pocket, going through his progressions, and that's causing him to miss some open receivers. Um, And I think we saw that again last night. So firming up the edges with your tackles and pass protection has got to be an emphasis moving forward. How do you do that, though? I mean, it, honestly, it looked it looked like a track meet for the the DNs yep. getting to 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 Baker. Um, so it can either either be technically. So last year, what we saw a little bit more from the tackles was what we would call a jump set or like an aggressive set, where you're setting either on a forty five degree angle or it's more of a, a a run block pass block where you see like the Patriots. So mm-hmm. they're giving you what would be called a, a short but wide pocket versus a narrow and long pocket, which is what Baker's getting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a technical difficulty. I don't know what any of this means. Yeah, I, you asked me offensive line play. Yeah, it's your own fault. We're getting into this. Sorry, um, listeners. Yes. Or another thing you can do is when you do have those tight ends in there, give them a little bit of uh, an assistance either chipping those guys as they leave or bringing in a, a receiver to chip or wham mm-hmm. and hit those defensive ends to give those tackles a little bit of time. Like I used um, to help or you can move with. the pocket a little bit more. Yeah, you could run a few more nakeds. You can run more sprint protections. You could run a few more of those play action zones where it looks like a run and then they, they pull up where you see the Rams do that a lot. Yep. I, I think they have to get their running game going a lot more. And it's tough, dude. Like, to be honest, I remember when we signed Dwayne Bowe, right? 
and Dwayne Bow barely played. And Dwayne Bow, he I don't I don't want to use the term melded in by the time he got to Cleveland, but he wasn't doing anything he didn't want to do. Right? You weren't going to be able to force Dwayne Bow into anything. He had made a lot of money at that point. He was good no matter what. So we didn't play him. Here was my problem with not playing Dwayne Bow, right? Because him playing more would have meant I, w- I would have played less. But how football works is you pay where you want the production at. You make people go earn their checks. They were like, Dwayne Bow didn't come in in shape. Okay, and of course he didn't come in in shape, right? So you make him <laughs> practice all the time. Don't let him out until he gets into shape. And then you put him in the game and you let him play bad in the game before you go to the next guy. But they were paying him like $8 million or $9 million that season and he wasn't playing. The reason why I reference that is because we are paying OBJ a lot of money. We are paying Jarvis Landry a lot of money, right? So they're in this weird middle ground of hey, we want to throw the football because we're paying so much money on the outside, but we haven't set up the system to best get those guys open, right? We didn't put a lot of money into our tackle position. So you were getting the result of the brunt of your money going to other positions. I actually wish they would target those guys more because if you're paying that kind of money, you got you to gotta trust that it's like, yo, set them up, get them one-on-ones and, and target them. Make make. The targets not work. Do not like ignore them just because, okay, we don't think we had this or have that. Like that's where your money is. You put your investment into that part of their game. We have to show it or at least prove that that is not the place we should be going. Hawk, let's talk about Bevel. You use their shave system, right? I do because it's the first and only end-to-end shaving system designed for consistently smooth and irritation-free shaving. This dermatologist recommended it prevents razor bumps and irritation. I use it all the time, Joe. Can you guess what percentage of subjects noticed that their skin felt softer and smoother after using it? Um, 73.16%, Alec. And 100%. Oh, way off. Which is the same percentage of satisfied listeners we have here on the Tomahawk Show. You know what interests me about the Bevel Trimmer Hawk? Much like us, it is also a GQ award winner. Very true. It's also wireless and has four times the battery life of its competitors. Also, you got to check the Bevel Skin lineup. They got face wash, exfoliating toner, moisturizing face gel, and spot corrector. Everything you need and nothing you don't. Sounds like it's a great look. To level up with the Bevel Shave System, the Bevel Trimmer, or Bevel Skin, head to getbevel.com slash tomahawk. So you asked me the offensive line question. Now I want to know from your perspective, because you've got so much more intelligence and experience understanding receivers and the passing game. Uh Tell me, what does this team need from a passing standpoint to get Odell and Jarvis more involved and to have more flow and consistency and rhythm in our passing game to be able to have some longer drives because we're just not putting together those long drives that go down the field, that march down the field, converting yeah. third downs, picking up plays, high completion percentage uh, on that uh, drive and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I think we need more of a system. I don't know what that is. I'm not, you know, I, I, 
Assistant, it doesn't, what does that even mean? It, it Say means, something that I understand. It means this. There is like Aaron Donald, right? Like you just talked about the interior of your offensive line, and they had a rough day last night, not because they didn't play well. They were playing the best defensive tackle over the last couple of decades easily, right? He gives everybody yeah. fits. I remember John yeah. Greco telling me, because we played with Aaron Donald's older brother at Toledo, and so Aaron Donald was like 12 and 13 when we were at Toledo, and he would come to the games. Before we played the Rams when I was in Cleveland, John Greco was like, hey, if I'd have known that the little 12-year-old that was on the field in Toledo would make me not sleep all week before we played them, I might have <laughs> thought about killing him then, right? <laughs> that's how... That's I think a, he was serious, too. He was that's dead serious. Sc- he was like, part. you know what, if I could go back in time, <laughs> I'd get rid of this problem before it started. So that's Aaron Donald. But I say that to say... We can't rely on receivers that way. When you pay big-time receivers, you are, you are just thinking, okay, Julio Jones, you're going to line up and win. It doesn't matter what kind of system we have. We're going to throw it up. My first year in Cincinnati, we were just throwing the ball up to A.J. Green. We didn't have much of a system. We were all young guys, but he was just better than the guy across from him. I feel like for our receivers, that's what we're relying on, as opposed to something like when we were in the Shanahan system and an Andrew Hawkins could almost go for a th- a thousand yards because I'm in a really good system that works together, right? The run game is working with um, the play action. The play action is working, you know, with my down the field throws or my shot plays and everything is tied in together. Like you talked about an identity. We don't have that. Play actions don't work if there's not a threat to run the football, right? When they understand, hey, the tackles have been a little bit of a liability and Baker feels it. He's going to run out to his right every time we apply pressure on that fourth down play late in the game. You can set your D tackles at the tackle position and leave the entire middle of the field open because they understand if we get to him in this certain amount of time, he's going to flush. He's not going to be thinking. He's not going to be going through his progressions. And all that comes from having a sound running game. The best thing you could do for a young quarterback, and I know Baker is a baller. We've seen that last year. Everybody says that everyone agrees in it. Um, but he's still a young quarterback. And the best thing you could do for a young quarterback is give him a run game. Give him a run game. Take the pressure off of him. Give him the option of play action. It, it, we don't. We have not had that early in this season. To be honest, it doesn't. what we're looking at in the Browns doesn't look much different than what we've seen over the years. So do you think that it's a matter of the system not fitting together? Like the run doesn't look like the play action and the pass plays, they're not – fitting together like they should like you mentioned the shanahan system where everything fits together you know exactly why mm-hmm. we're doing this play in the first quarter because it's going to set up this play in the second quarter like i always would think about the play action concepts that we used to run um he, we would run like the drift route mm-hmm. and then the takeoff yep. and you and you would try to get that safety to suck up because you knew there was space between the linebacker and the safety, and you could throw it over the linebacker's head in in our play action scheme because there was like this little window where you could throw it to the receiver. Exactly. And then if that if that safety ever uh, crept up and got a little bit horny for that underneath route, he was going to try to make a play. Uh, then that's when you ran the takeoff, and yep. it looked exactly the same. But you had to feed it to him a couple times in the first half to get him to bite on it, so you could hit the big play over the top of his head in the second half. And so you're kind of saying. From what I understand, yes, is that they need a little bit more of a fit where everything works together and works complementary within that offense. Absolutely, it takes pressure off of everybody. Every route that I ran in that system looked like I was going to block, and every time I went and blocked, it looked like I was running a route. So, what that meant was they never knew what it was, and everything you guys were doing. It was hard to diagnose until as late as possible in the play. So, over time, it opened up everything now what happens is 
you understand that, yo, I got to scheme a little bit to get this five seven number one receiver I have mm. to be a real threat. Well, when you have mm. one of the best receivers in his in in the last ten years, you know you lax off of that a little bit. You put a little more pressure on him and say, hey, okay, just go get open. Here's a route, win, right? And I, I feel like we have some tendencies that people are on to. They understand defenses understand how Baker plays. They understand his trigger points. They understand, okay, if we do this, he's going to do that. And they're just playing us a certain way, and nothing is opening up. Like, everyone got excited when he was getting the hand out of, the ball out of his hand quick. That's what Baker yeah, needs too. to do. That, those are the kind of plays yeah. he needs to play. Like, yeah, line up. Let's slant them to death. I don't care if o, OBJ is a, a home. Hit them with 10 slants. You know, make them guard that, and then everything else opens up. I don't think we've done that enough. So – Last time I checked, Kyle Shanahan was in San Francisco and he was off to a hot 3-0 start. So outside of bringing him back to run the offense the rest of the season, how does Freddie Kitchens fix the offense moving forward? I, I, I think we got to dive more into the run game. And, and, I, and again, this is without me understanding like the exact state of the offensive line because you can only run the ball as good as you can block. Um and last year we did it really well. I think we probably underestimated the loss of Zeitler, what that was mm-hmm. going to mean for us in the run game and running between the tackles and kind of establishing the run because I feel like once he got going, everything else opened up. And the thought was, oh, okay, we sacrifice a little bit inside. We go get Odell. It's going to be that much better. That just hasn't been the case. But it's early. All right. It's early. It's early. I'm, I'm going to put a positive spin bow, spin slash bow on this Browns game and say – Okay, we're one and two. Mm-hmm. We went toe to toe with the defending NFC champions. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Facts. Um, defense played really, really good. And you know what? We're not where we want to be right now. But I felt like there was improvement last night. We were starting to get that identity on offense. Uh-huh. And if we win next week in Baltimore, we're going to be two and two and atop the AFC North. Number one in so the division. We all want to jump off a bridge right now as Browns fans because the sky <laughs> is falling. But if you looked at the season two months ago and you said, where were we after three weeks? You'd probably say two and one, right. one and two. But you know what? The Steelers are 0 and three. The Bengals are one and two. Oh, and three. Oh, and three. Yep. And the Ravens are two and one. And we got an opportunity to be in first place after four weeks. So let's stay positive this week. Okay. Hope that we continue to make some progress and go beat the Ravens because then you're going to be feeling real good about yourself. Okay. I have a question for you. What was it like? being in the presence of the legend Clay Matthews last night. It was awesome. I actually got a chance to talk with him on the sidelines. I got a talk a chance to talk with his daughter. Yeah. And he was just super humble and it was amazing. You and I did the uh the dog pound captains where we pump up the crowd yeah. at the timeout in the middle of the game. And that was really cool. We got a little bit nervous, but it was really fun. That's good. It was a great honor. Yeah. And it was interesting. So Clay Matthews' daughter, Jennifer, actually did that for him because he was so nervous and so humble and so shy about yeah. going out there with the microphone in front of the crowd that it's, he didn't think he could do it. Yeah, it's awkward. And for a guy that he's plays pl- he's playing 19 so. years in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. So you, so he's a guy that you've always played f- second fiddle to, Clay Matthews. Um, being from Wisconsin. <laughs> which one are we talking about now? Being from Wisconsin. So what was it like? And you also met his dad, which was pretty cool for you as well. <laughs> I was talking about his dad. <laughs> I know. I'm no, <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's pretty cool. All right, we got Baltimore next week. Before we wrap up our yeah. dog check, uh, what do we got to do to beat Baltimore? 
So I think, like you mentioned, run the football, more of those easy completions, make the defense suck up and play tight to the line of scrimmage on our receivers. We're a team that wants to play with three receivers in the game. Mm -hmm. That's okay. We're not going back to playing with three tight ends or, or two tight ends and a fullback like we were a little bit last year. We have studs at receiver. We're going to put them in the game. We're going to try to stretch the field, but make that defense play tight to the line of scrimmage. Take what they're going to give you. Take those easy completions. Get Baker a high completion percentage game. Run the football, and then those big shot plays will be there. I just want to see consistency from this offense, and if we're able to stop the run game for the Baltimore Ravens offense, we win the game. All right. I like it. I mean, another thing. I mean, that's a lot of things. But a lot of if we things. do all those things, we're going to yeah, win. Yeah, no big deal. We also, I think, underestimated the loss of a, a, a pass-catching threat out of the backfield in Duke Johnson. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things change when Kareem Hunt comes back in yep, about exactly. five weeks. Exactly. Because he's he plays that role for us, and he's definitely a huge weapon, and it it gives defenses a, a challenging time scheming for your offense when you've got – Odell and Jarvis, yep. and then you've got a running back that can catch the football, and you got another running back who can run with the football. He can block. So I feel um, better now. Now that I thought I forgot that Kareem was coming back. Yeah, matchup wise, Kareem Hunt will be huge. Whether you're on the field or in the stands, you want to make sure you're protected if the unthinkable happens. That's where Air Medicare Network membership comes in. If a medical emergency arises. AMCN provides world-class air transport services to the nearest appropriate hospital for you or your family member at no out-of-pocket expenses. More and more insurance fails to cover the full cost of a medical emergency. And as an AMCN member, you'll never pay a dime when transported by them. Join the nation's largest air medical membership network and secure a peace of mind. Memberships cost as low as $65 a year for your entire household. And right now, as a Tomahawk listener, you'll get a $10 Visa gift card with a one-year membership. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Tomahawk and use our offer code Tomahawk. All right. Well, I think that's enough Browns. Let's head into our favorite segment, Am I Trippin'? Trippin', trippin', What do we got, John? The Chiefs beat the Ravens 33-28, although it wasn't that close for most of the second half. The Ravens also allowed almost 350 passing yards to Kyler Murray last week, and they beat up on the JV Dolphins in the season opener. I say all that to say, am I tripping, or are the 2-1 and Ravens a little bit overrated and not a legit Super Bowl contender? Hmm. Joe, you take it. They're a little bit overrated. I think people got really excited when the season started and Lamar Jackson started throwing the football much better than he did last year. And instantly, everybody wanted to jump on the bandwagon of, look, he figured out how to throw the football. He's going to be unstoppable because we know what he can do running the football. You add Mark Ingram, who's playing really well. This is a really hard unit to stop. Well, we agree with that. I think when you do beat up on some lower quality opponents, it is easy to get a little bit excited, maybe a little bit too excited uh-huh. uh, about a team. And and so I think uh, while they did keep it close at the end, it really wasn't close throughout the game. And um, Lamar Jackson's still playing fairly well. 
the offense for Baltimore still playing pretty well. But the big thing that I'm concerned with if I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan is they consistently are having communication issues in that secondary and giving up gobs of passing yards. Now, granted, it was Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the game. He's right a now, quarterback version of Aaron Donald. He is the quarterback <laughs> version of Aaron Donald. And. They need to figure out that communication in the secondary because those breakdowns consistently are causing that defense to give up huge amount of yards and huge amount of points. And as good as the Ravens offense has been playing, they're not going to be able to keep up with everybody if everyone's scoring 30 plus points on them and throwing for 400 yards in the air. Yeah, I like Lamar. I think I I, I do think he came back to earth a little bit yesterday. He still played well down the stretch, but there were a couple yeah. decisions where he just literally heaved it across the field that he got lucky on. Yeah. And for right. any good quarterback, it's, you're not going to get lucky on those every time. So I'm hoping, A, yeah. he doesn't make that a habit, but he's still going to have some maturing to do and some, some development as a quarterback. So... But I do think they're good. I'm not gonna. Yeah, and I think anybody who can run we'll, the ball we'll, and play good defense, I think has a chance. Yeah, yeah, but they they got to figure out their passing defense because it's been atrocious. And Lamar Jackson, uh, a little concerned maybe in his passing. He was three of twelve on deep passes, which are twenty or more yards in week three. And we haven't seen him struggle throwing the football down the field yet uh, until this game. So maybe something to look out for in week four when the Browns go to Baltimore. There you go. All right, what we got next. Remember when Baker Mayfield said, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones? Well, Daniel Jones won his first career start. <laughs> Sorry to rub it in, Browns fans, but the Giants are 1-0 yesterday. The Browns are 0-1. Daniel Jones has four total touchdowns a season. Baker Mayfield only has three. Daniel Jones played one game. Baker Mayfield's played three games. Am I tripping, or is Daniel Jones what we thought Baker Mayfield was supposed to be? No. I, I, I no. would back it back. What Stop. happens is everyone with who's halfway decent can surprise people. Right, especially when all the scouting reports said he's just like Eli. He's not just like Eli. He's a lot more athletic. Mm-hmm. All right, that's number one. So he was able to buy a little bit more time in, in the pocket. He was able to run when the opportunity presented itself. So I, I don't want to say that they, they were just not prepared because I think Daniel Jones balled out. But I am not into the in the world of overreacting over you know one good game. But I was proud of him because he did shut a lot of people up because everyone had Daniel Jones hot takes when he got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 played fairly well, and the the surprising part of his game was Tampa blitzed him the entire game. Because yep. with any rookie quarterback, you're like, all right, we're going to try to disguise and we're going to blitz. Like, see what he knows within this offense mm-hmm. of being able to get rid of the ball quickly. Does he understand his hot routes? Does he know how to move protections? Like, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at him. And he was actually really good against he was the, good, the blitz. Man. I think he was like 12 of 16 for almost 200 yards in a TD. So maybe they don't blitz him next that's week. That's what I mean, happens. That's the thing. But, that, but I think that's what you're getting to is like, this was a case, in my opinion, right now of beginner's luck, right? It's the first time you take your wife to the craps table and she's rolling dice and she's winning for everybody, right? <laughs> it's called beginner's luck for a reason. He's a beginner. This is his first NFL start. Teams don't really know what he does well and he doesn't do well. So they blitzed him like crazy. He ended up handling it really well. So yep. the next team that faces him is going to throw all those blitzes out versus those certain uh, personnel groupings and formations. Mm-hmm. They're going to come up with a bunch of new blitzes and see if he can handle those. And if he handles those well, they're going to just roll Rolodex coverages. And they're going to stand back there and they're going to run 15 different coverages. They're going to make them all look the same. And they're not going to blitz them. They're going to see if he can diagnose the coverage and if he can break down different leverages and coverages yep. while that somebody's rushing him. And just see what he does standing in the pocket without getting 
getting those quick throws out of his hand. They're going to keep needling him in all different directions and find out what he doesn't do well. And then they're going to give him a heavy dose of that until he fixes it or he can't survive in the league. And so for me, I want to see three games from a rookie before I can say, yeah, I think that they've thrown a good game plan at him and he's able to recover and respond. And so while I'm happy and I'm a little surprised he played this well in his first game, it was against Tampa Bay. And we do need to wait at least three games, like I said, before we can have a little bit bigger sample size and say, yeah, they've given him three different defenses, three different game plans, and he's handled all of them really well. He's exceeding our expectations for a top-drafted rookie quarterback. What we got next? Last one. The streets of Jacksonville are buzzing with excitement because of Joe's new BFF, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Guys, am I tripping? <laughs> or is Gardner Minshew a star in the making? He is a star, man. He's he's someone you, you love to root for. And people love mustaches, man. I tweeted that yesterday. Like, <laughs> Can you imagine if Daniel Jones could grow a mustache? Which I'm 100% <laughs> sure he can't. Um, but still, like, people, for whatever reason, love 70s porn mustaches on quarterbacks. But, ba- I mean... Minshew, the you know what it is? It's because it's he, humiliating. And people love seeing people humiliate themselves. Right. That's what the mustache phenomena is all about. Yeah, he played for four different colleges. How do you not love that guy? He's <laughs> on his fifth team since high school. And he's a rookie. I love Gardner Minshew. Joe, what are your thoughts, bro? Yeah, it was fun being a part of that game. It was fun having him on the set after the game. Because when you see a guy that's new to this, that... It's basically didn't expect him to even be in the NFL having the success that he had. I think he was uh, 20 out of 30 and a couple touchdowns, no, no picks. And he did a really nice job um, throwing the ball into the holes near the sidelines. I, I thought that was really good for a rookie to be able to throw a lot of those fades and those um, sideline routes. I, I was really impressed um, with yeah. him throwing the football. And it was fun because he, he had this exuberance about him. He's got this like youthful excitement. The, the game is, has not been like, uh, s- smeared yet. He hasn't dealt with the adversity and the shitty part of the NFL. So <laughs> he's, he's like the, the virgin that hasn't dealt with the crap yet. And, uh, so he's fun, fun to cheer for, fun to watch. And it was interesting. I came into the Browns facility this morning and Baker, Quick came up to me and he grabbed me by the shirt collar and he goes, don't you dare cheat on me with Gardner Minshew. I'm your boy. You can't go over there and show love to another quarterback with a cool mustache from a a conference that you've never heard of. Who also went to five different schools. It's my story. also went to five different schools. That's how I felt about uh, Damon uh, Sheehy Gillespie. <laughs> uh, obviously, you don't have a lot of Italians in your family. It's yeah. Giuseppe. How do you say it? Giuseppe. Shehe Giuseppe. Shehe Giuseppe. All right, I do love yeah, that dude. That's my though. Italian name is Giuseppe. Yeah, that's why your Italian name is. I don't know. Speaking of cheating on your uh, on your, oh. your your shows, Joe has to oh. run and do Colin Cowherd. So I think that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate us five stars, all of that. Hit us up on social media, um, and also. Send us voicemails. What are you feeling? What what do you think the current state of the Browns is, man? We want to get your opinions and comments and hopefully use them here on the show. I'm going to bring in a fan in next episode, I think. Next dog check. We got to get a completely biased and um, completely irrational fan from the Browns kingdom. We're gonna oh, well, we won't be able to find any of those. Yeah, that'll be tough. We're gonna <laughs> the, the search starts now. We'll find this a lot easier than we found. We're looking at a couple of them right now. <laughs> we'll find this a lot easier than we found NFD or Nat. <laughs>
Okay. Joe, final <laughs> thoughts. The Cowboys won against a crappy Miami team. Should not have surprised anybody. But you know what? It impressed me for one reason. Because after two good games, it would have been easy for that team to take the Miami Dolphins lightly, go out there and skate through and get a, get a close victory against the hapless Dolphins. But you know what? They went out. They took it just as seriously as the first two games. They played really good football. They continued to improve. They continued to impress. And that tells me that they are a very well-coached team who is ready potentially for a championship run. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan right now, you got to be feeling really good about this team and really good about their direction. It reminds me of the discipline that the Patriots always seem to have, where it doesn't matter who they're playing, they prepare the same way, they bring the same energy and enthusiasm to the game, and they always go out and they almost always play really, really good. And that's exactly what they did against the Dolphins yesterday. On to the Ravens. Take us out, Joe. Joe Hawk yourself. In the immortal words of the Backstreet Boys, I only have one thing to say about tonight's heartbreaking loss. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. I never want to hear you say, Freddie called such a bad play. Just want to say hey to the best podcast in the world and that Freddie Kitchens is the worst coach in the world. I only cried for about a half hour after this game. Usually, you know, I'm no good until Wednesday, Thursday, but I'm all right. I think I'll be able to pick myself up by by Tuesday morning, I think. Every single time, it feels like we're watching the same Browns make the same plays in different times. It's like freaking deja vu. When is this going to get better? We make strides. The Rams weren't even that much better than us tonight, and we should have won. It's time for Kitchens to give up the offensive coordinating, get some real players involved, and get going on things, because the schedule only gets tougher, and it's going to get harder for all parties involved. They deserve the boost tonight. I don't care what they say. I love them. I hate them, but they're ours. Go hawk yourself. <laughs>